Hello and welcome to Highland Football Weekly with Ian Old. Wow, what a week it's been since we last spoke in the space of seven days. The coronavirus has not only stopped football, but life as we know it has been severely affected. Personally, I've been self-isolating with the family and I've considered giving the podcast a break. But I want to carry on as it gives me a release and fingers crossed it can give you guys out there an hour's break from COVID-19. Normally, I record in the living room with the guests coming in, but because of the latest guidelines, that can't be done. But don't worry, I've got some FaceTimes and some Skype calls planned to still interview guests and bring the podcast to you. Anyway, episode 8, and apologies because this week's pod starts with coronavirus, recorded on the day that all football in the country was stopped, Friday the 13th of March. Since then, much has changed. And some of the content might be out of date, including the fact that our guest, Stephen Mackay, manager of Brora Rangers, who at the weekend were awarded the Highland League title after the league was brought to an end. So there might be some references that are out of date, but don't worry, we take a look back on an eventful career for Stephen, playing for Ross County, Elgin, Nairn County and Brora, where he's now a title-winning manager. But sit back, enjoy... And most importantly, stay safe out there. Rural Rangers manager Stephen Mackay. Stephen, welcome to my house, my living room, where uh, we record most of these now. You, you join me on a Friday night. The wife's next door having a few Proseccos uh, with the neighbours and uh, the kids haven't gone to sleep yet. So if you can hear some background noise, they're just playing upstairs in the room, so please apologise. <laughs> no problem, Aldi. Thanks for inviting me up. Pleasure to be here. Good stuff, Stephen. We're gonna we're gonna take a, a meander through your through your career. Um it's not finished yet because obviously you're Almost. you're in the management game uh, at the moment, uh, with the uh, Brewer Rangers. Now this is gonna go out and uh, well, we record. We're recording this on a on a Friday night, mid March. Big news today. It might be slightly out of date by the time you listen to this, but it will still be relevant because coronavirus has uh, interrupted the the football season. The whole of Scottish football, including Highland League, has been uh, has been postponed. What's your current take on it? Yeah, like you said, Aldi, it's a bit of a, a bit of a nightmare for for us and and, and for everyone and, and everyone connected with football. Um, I think it's going to be a, a strange few weeks for for everyone associated with the game. Uh, not something that we had um, planned for, that's for sure. And like you say, it's a it's an unwelcome interruption to the season right at the kind of critical point. So um, not ideal, far far from it to be honest, but. Uh, We've just got to go along with the guidance that we've received and and, and follow suit with the the football league and, and, and the SFA and um, it's disappointing but uh, public health has to come first uh, and we've just got to abide by that and, and, and get on with it. You said off mic there as well you were considering taking a a, a training session on on the Saturday. Of course that won't happen because of because of uh, guidelines and restrictions and whatever. But 
you know, even just simple things. You know, you you you're not your normal day to day footballing life has been affected by this. Yeah, I know. Like you said, we were, we were contemplating training, but I think we've got a a duty of care to to the, the public and to our players. Um, so it'll be a, a free weekend for for the boys, which I'm sure they'll be delighted with. Um, <laughs> but uh, like you say, we've just got to got to get on with it. Hopefully, you know, these preventative measures will will be effective and the the league and the training and and football life as we know it won't be interrupted too much um so we just you know hope and pray that it doesn't continue too long and hopefully by the time this goes out we'll be in a better place fingers crossed and at the same time i'm sure that many footballers across the country when they realize they've got a free weekend when the game gets called on off on the saturday they'll be anticipating perhaps a, a weekend of football on the television you know there's, there's there's golf there's a big massive weekend in golf there's six nations the f1 season's supposed to start but none of it so we're gonna have to find someone else to do our time no i don't know what anyone's gonna do with their time but like you said there's there's so much sport on offer um this week and, and the coming weeks um I'm, I'm quite upset that the the masters has been cancelled now because that's one event that i watch avidly and i'm gonna miss that so yeah it's 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 far from ideal but you know like everyone's saying that you know public health is is is, is the most important thing and um there's more to life um than than, than football and, and and sport uh, although it's uh, sometimes life and death for those of us that are involved in it but um no it's 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 not ideal but we'll uh, we'll, we'll get on with it now, I had the, the start of this podcast all mapped out. Of course, coronavirus has struck and has uh, thrown me off guard a wee bit, but it's been a great season for you guys. Yeah, it's been it's been a really, really good season for us. Um, you know, there, there was a little bit of pressure on on the players. You know, we were tipped as as early season favourites and everyone was almost expecting us to to, to win the league and, and, you know, we had to deal with that, that pressure. And the boys have, to be fair to them. You know, we've got a really talented bunch of players um, I'm, I'm really pleased with the blend that we have in terms of our experience and the younger boys that are coming through and you know every challenge that's that's been put their way they, they've, they've dealt with really well um, I think we had a little blip kind of at the start of the season um, where we lost a game to to Nern but out with that I can't I can't fault the players so like you say so far so good uh, coronavirus aside it's been a, it's been a good season for us when you see Cove Rangers having progressed to the, the league like they have um, they won the league last year and they've gone into league two and they've taken it by storm yeah. is that something that you you know looking to, to do in the next couple of years there's no way getting away get away from what our aim is you know we want to play Scottish league football um, and winning the Highland League is, is the first step on, on that journey and you know we've witnessed what Cove have done and I think for those people who saw Cove last season um, always felt that they'd go into the Scottish league and do really really well. Um, I don't think anyone envisaged them doing as well as they have. But but credit to to, to Paul Hartley and and credit to John Sheeran as well because he, he got them there, you know. Yeah. And, and everyone almost forgets the 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 years of of work that he put into that squad and you know playing without a ground for for years. And and you know Paul's come in and done a phenomenal job. But I don't think it should go unnoticed the the, the impact that John made. But they've done great and and they've set the trend now for other teams like ourselves to, to see what can be achieved and, and Edinburgh City as well to be fair course, have gone yeah. and, and done well so yep. yeah the, the pathway's there um, our ambitions as a club are, are really strong so you know we would love to go and, and um, test ourselves against League 2 sides I think the, the squad as it stands is is a 
pretty um, strong League Two side, if I'm being honest. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we would, uh, you know, the current squad would, would do really well at that level. Um, so, and we've got a hungry squad that wants to go and, and, and play at a higher level. Um, some players within that squad have already played in League Two. Some of our younger players haven't experienced it. So, um, no, we'd, we'd, we'd really welcome the challenge and that's what our vision is um, whether we can achieve it this season or next season uh, is is to be seen but that's certainly our, our, our aim Now we'll come back to Brora um, towards the end but we're going to go ironically to the uh, League 2 the old Division 3 because you um, started you started your career at Ross County yeah. came up through the youth ranks uh, over in, uh, in Dingwall and you uh, well, you broke into the Ross County first team towards the end of a um, a very successful season for for the Staggies when they they won the the third division uh, back towards the end of the last uh, century. Don't want to make you feel old there. That's just the, the facts. But um, how was it? How was it coming up through Ross County uh, into the youth ranks and then breaking into the first team under a a bit of a legend of the game and Neil Cooper? It was a, a an incredible you know life experience for me. I, I was a a Ross County fan as a, as a kid, um, used to stand in, in the jail end and and watch um, watch them as, as a child. So to get the opportunity to to go full time under the kind of YTS scheme that it was, back then I think there was there were six of us. That shows how long ago it was when they only took on six YTSers, um, and and it was they they complemented the full time YTS boys with a handful of of full time first team players, but there was also part time players as well. So it was a, it was a kind of strange mix, but a period of transition for the club but like you say they had a really ambitious manager at the time in, in Neil Cooper um, who was really you know determined to get them in, in, into into the higher leagues and get up through the division so yeah it was a, a wonderful experience for me to go in and, and play with the, the type of players that, that, that I did um, being a, a fan of Ross County then training with them um, was was a was a great experience, and not just in football terms. But, you know, I, I felt I'd, my game developed massively um, in, in that kind of first couple of years. But also, your character develops quite strongly as well, and it has to, um, especially in that environment where there's a lot of lot of strong um, characters in there. So, no, it was a it was a you know wonderful period in my life. Not one that I would I would change for a minute. So, yeah. um, no, really enjoyed my time at, at Ross County and. It's a club that I'll always, you know, look at fondly, and, and a club that'll always be close to my heart. Going into a first team dressing room, which you know had a lot of, um, you know, good pros in there. Um, Stuart Golubek was in there at the time. Uh, Roy McBain, Nicky Walker was here yeah, in the Nicky scene as well. You know, some sort of a real mix of um, some big, some big names, and you know, played you know top flight and 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 Scottish football. Walking in there as a youngster, what's that like? Walking into a dressing room full of, of big, you know, sharks, if you like, you know. Probably the most intimidating period of my, of my life. Let's say you, you you quickly develop a thick skin and and a, and a, and a strong character because you sink have or to. Swim. You do you, you do you sink or swim, and, and you know some young boys struggled in, in that environment. And a close friend of mine actually struggled with it. Um, but that's just the the, the the harsh reality of football, if you like. So. Like you said, you know, Nicky Walker was in there, so as a, I'm a young 16, 17-year-old, sorry, kind of quite introverted young man from Invergordon, going into that dressing room. Um, so it was a, it was an eye-opener. It was a really intimidating environment, if, I, if I'm being honest, but 
you soon get used to, to used to the players that you're that you're um, training with every day. Um, but like you, you know, really good um, pros at that time that, that that taught me a lot. You know, Kenny Gilbert, you know, Stephen Ferguson was there, a, a young boy that got released from from Dunfermline. Um, you know, Nicky was kind of at the back end of his career, but still trained like like he was still playing for Rangers um his his training ethic was unbelievable it's, it's something that's always stuck with me actually just how you know professional he was and how everything had to be right for him and if it, and if it wasn't then he would just storm off in a half and I'm sure people that are listening to this that have trained with Nicky will know exactly what I'm referring to if the, the goals weren't set up right or the balls weren't the right um pressure then he'd be in the car and he'd be off and then that would be him away in his and it in his uh, half but um I really really um Good, good professional um, players that that looked after the young boys. To be fair, because they, they they knew that this was that that was a really intimidating environment for us, um, and, and only being seventeen, did look after us. Um, don't get me wrong; they would give you a roasting if you were if you were doing something wrong. But again, you know, great character building for us all, um, and you you were left with in, in no uncertain terms. You knew if you were needing to up your standards or up your game because they would be on your back. Neil Cooper, um, we we spoke to Brian Evan a few weeks ago and he talked about Neil Cooper, um, Brian, someone that you played with at Ross County as well. Um, Neil Cooper's a, a bit of a character, to say the least. Obviously a character that's, that's much missed um, by many. What was your uh, experiences like playing under Neil Cooper? Um, as you said, character is probably the best way to describe him. He was a, a really affectious, uh, bubbly kind of guy, but... Um, but could be hard, you know, and when needed, um, and you know, got the best out of his players as well. Yeah, no, he, he did, and Coops was a, a, a let's say, a really quite intimidating character for a young boy, um, just of just because the stature of the man and, and who he was, um, but he was, you know, out with training and and and, and match days and games and stuff. He was like you like to say infectious. Would always make time for the young boys. Would ridicule you if 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 he felt it was necessary, um, but he was um, aye, such an infectious character. Um, but then when it came to to training or to games, that's when you got the the serious side of of, of the gaffer, and um, he he was he demanded high standards, and he, he he's obviously demanded them throughout his career. I think I think one thing he probably struggled with was you know he's played at, at the top level his whole career, and then he's suddenly playing with a bunch of players that you know perhaps had not succeeded some of them at that level um, and certainly younger boys the, the, the generation that I played with were not at a level that he was accustomed to so perhaps you know he would expect you to do things because of the environment and the background where he came from that you couldn't necessarily do I think he struggled with that a little bit initially I think he struggled to adapt to the level that, that, that he was now managing that and the level that we were playing at um, and you know but let's say when it came when it came to 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 games, he was um, he was he was very how would I put it? He was he just demanded the best out of his players. High standards. High standards. Yeah. Um, and regardless of how old you were, if you were in that environment and you know you weren't performing, you you, you knew about it and he'd let you know about it. Um, but again, like I said, it 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 does build your character. It does. You just develop a, a thick skin very very quickly. You have to. You have to. You can't. Take things to heart, or or, or sit and, and kind of mull over what what's happened if he's given you a roast, you know, whatever. You just got to take it on board because at the end of the day, 
he's trying to improve as a, as a player and as a human being. Um, but when you're 17 or 18, you don't always you don't always see it that way at the time. <laughs> Bit of a joker as well. Was he? Um, well, the experiences I've um, had or had with him. As I say, a bit of a, a character, like the joke. I always remember he was. Was it Sir Alex Ferguson said that he always did the. He was the best in person. Yeah. Sir Alex Ferguson. Yeah. I think Ryan Ryan Giggs and Neil Cooper, Alex Ferguson said, were the best at, at doing an impression of himself. Bit of a joker. What was he? Maybe not in the in the management sense uh, around this place, but did he have that about him? Did oh, he, he did. Out with training, you know. As young boys, you were you were in early to do your duties, and you, and you stayed late to do your duties. So that's when you probably saw the the, the fun side of of, of, of uh, the gaffer, and he would always talk about Fergie and do the cough and the impressions and all that. And and we we were you know young and impressionable young men, and you know you would sit and listen to stories all day, all all the Fergie stories and and what he used to to kind of tell you about his experiences, um, but. He was always you could hear his laugh a mile off. You'd always hear his laugh before you actually saw him. Um, so you know, out with let's say out with that environment of the training. Although in training he did like a, a laugh and a joke, um, but you know, out with that he was he was always up to no good or or, or trying to um, ridicule someone. Um, norm, normally the young boys got it in the neck the most, but he was uh, he was always at it. So you um, you get involved um, in the first team setup at Ross County and quickly become a bit of a you know, a bit of a feature. That first season, when you break through towards the end of the season, you're you're in and around the team when they when they win the third division. A uh, bit of a special moment, you know. <clears throat> obviously, you become involved in the first team setup, but they clinch that that third division title and move up to the second division. Bit of a special moment for you. Yeah, it was. Um, it was just it was just great to be involved in that environment. I mean, appearance wise, I didn't make many, but probably two or three, I think, all day that season. Mm-hmm. But. You know, for me to make my debut at Victoria Park was was massive. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Dumbarton at home. It was, um, and so that was that was a, a big moment for me personally. But then to be involved in in, in the squad that, that won the, the league was was uh, was was a great experience. Um, albeit I only played a very very small part in that league campaign, but it was it was an important step for the club Cali had already set the trend and um, yeah. they continued to do that for the next few years uh, we always felt like we were playing catch up a little bit but I think it was important for the club it was important for, for, for the gaffer as well at the time because you know he he had probably committed you know, quite heavily in terms of the squad that he was putting together and there would have been a lot of pressure on him mm-hmm. um, to, to get promotion so to finally to, to finally do it was um was great for everyone, and, and to be part of that squad was uh, I just had a great experience. It was it was uh, one little stay with I'm going to fast forward to your um, your first goal for Ross County, one that I'm sure you'll <laughs> you remember um, against Rangers. Not many um, people can say that they scored their first goal for the club against Rangers. What was your um, your memories and your experiences of that one? It was a League Cup tie. Yeah. Um, Ross County had played the Rangers. The season before there was a Scottish Cup Scottish time, Cup or the C2 game. yes. Yeah. So they got them up in the League Cup, um, and again, we're we're unlucky uh, to, to lose by by the single goal two one. But you're, I mean, as as you said, a Ross County fan growing up to score your first goal at Victoria Park against, well, Rangers were um, competing for titles. It was obviously yeah. Dick Advocates uh, Rangers against against Martin O'Neill Celtic that that season, but. Um, Again, to score your first goal, what are the memories of that game? It was. I remember that 
the game and the build up to it because you know it's it was the first real kind of big game that I was uh, that I was involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, the gaffer named the team, and I knew I was on the bench. But all I could think about was just I just hope that I get on. I just want to get on that on, on that pitch and, and, and play against Rangers. So um, it it was great just to get on, on the puck at the time. The game was two 0 and you almost felt like the, the game was probably dead. Although we competed, but you always felt there was a gap there. Um, and you know the goal itself was probably the worst goal that I'll, I'll ever score. Um, I, I I'm in the habit of of just claiming anything that, that skiffs me or comes close to me. Um, and I'm pretty sure that a cross came in and I think it was like hit my knee uh, and, and I'm not even sure if it hit the back of the net, but it certainly crossed the line. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a strange feeling. It was great to score against Rangers, but I always felt like it was just a consolation goal because yeah. it was in the dying minutes of the game. Yeah. But then it gave the whole ground a lift. It gave our team a lift. And then, you know, 60 seconds later, we had awarded a penalty. Um I think it was Lorenzo Amoruso brought down Conor Gethins and it was a strange situation because I'm sure um, Stephen Hislop was on the pitch at the time and there was a few other you know really capable penalty takers but it's almost like no one kind of wanted to, to step forward and, and Ian Maxwell ended up stepping forward a centre half taking a penalty it was always a strange one but he was confident that, that he would he would um, he would score it um, but unfortunately he didn't it was a uh, it was a it was a good penalty and it was a, a an even better save from from Kloss. So had that gone in, that would have been uh, and a, 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 a you know really interesting mm-hmm. um, extra time period because they'd gone down to ten men. Zamalus was sent off, but uh, it wasn't to be. It wasn't to be. Uh, I remember going into the, the dressing room and everyone was just devastated. And I remember uh, Big Bry uh, was raging. He was raging at Maxi for missing the penalty. Uh, you know how could you miss that penalty? What an opportunity for us. And then Maxi just turned around and said, I didn't see you putting your hand up and coming forward for it, so uh, put him back in his place. But uh, it was, a, it was a, a missed opportunity for the club, for sure. Of course, Brian Irvin, the penalty expert, as we learned from a few weeks ago, he's, he's come, I know, I, I'm surprised he never put his hand up. But uh, funny you mention that there, because that, that game, if it goes to 2-2, you go extra time, um, and who knows what can happen. But the, the, the round previous... I don't like to mention it too much because obviously I'm a, I'm a Hearts fan uh, but you, you knocked Hearts out in Dingwall uh, in the round previous as well through extra time and yeah, penalties as well um, so you, you, that side had it in the locker to cause a wee bit of a, a, a cup shock uh, yeah we, we, we got like you said we got into the habit of, of beating teams especially at home we'd beat Dundee um, that season as well we, we'd, we'd beat Hearts um, and I think if had we had got the second goal I think we would have fancied our, our chances the, the momentum certainly would have been with us um, they were down to 10 men so that would have been interesting it would have been good to get another half an hour against Rangers as well but uh, like I said it, it wasn't to be um, but uh, still a, a, a nice experience for sure Stefan Kloss not many people on the, have their uh, on their CV putting one past their keeper Stefan Kloss what a, what a legend he was you know I don't have many things that I can claim throughout my career so I'll hold on to the Stefan Kloss Stephane one Kloss. I think uh, I think Auntie Niemi might have been in goals for Hearts as well in he the was. penalty shootout so yeah. I was lucky enough to put a penalty in um, during that shootout, although it was probably the most nervous I've ever been in my, in my life. My legs turned to jelly, I just hit it. Thankfully, it, it went in, and uh, I think it was Tony Bullock that, that, that had the, the, the vital save in that game. So, yeah, um, not many things that I can boast about throughout my career, but scoring against those two, will, uh, I'll, I'll take them. Well, I could, uh, what we, 20 minutes in now, I could probably talk about Andy Nemi for another 40 minutes, but I won't bore you. I want to move on a little bit because you, you joined Elgin City 
Now, I mentioned Elgin City because you had three separate spells. Elgin City in your career, four. Four, four two, two loans, loans and then, yeah. Yeah, four. Um, you moved to Elgin City to get um, to go on loan um, for, for part of the season. Um, Neil Cooper sent you on loan just to, yeah. you know, get some yeah. get some game time. And your experiences of, of Elgin City going there, um, again, a short hop, skip and a jump along in 86, yeah. but, but regular game time and, and, and dropping down to the third division, but getting regular game time. Yeah, I, I, I had a really positive experience at Elgin on, on both my loan spells. Um, like you said, I wasn't I wasn't at a level where I was forcing regular football at county at that time. Um, but it was a great opportunity for me to get league football and league experience. And I, and I think Coops knew that that I needed to toughen up um, mentally, but but physically as well. So so I went on uh, a couple of loan spells there. So the first one, Alec Caldwell, was 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 the manager. Um, and yeah, let's say. Like you said, it was regular um, Scottish League football. I loved it, absolutely loved it, um, and I really felt my game develop massively in that in that period. Um, and then I got I got called back to to Ross County when the squad was quite lean, um, and then was able to feature in, in a few games in the, in the championship. So, yeah, the the first two loan spells at Elgin were were, were massive for me in terms of you know. Mental and physical development, but also uh, also confidence as well to yeah. think that you know I think I could probably play at this level if not higher. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was good to to test myself um, and and get the benefit of regular football. So no, I really really enjoyed it. Yeah, you went you went back there for a second spell. Um, Alex Smith comes in at Ross County as well. Yeah. Things come to head at Ross County. Was it just a case of you know um, time to move on or? Yeah, I think well. You know, when 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 Coops was in charge, he kind of played me left mid, um, left wing back, and then Alex Smith came in and, and kind of saw me more as, as a left back. And I don't know the exact stats, but I think I probably played more first team games under Alex Smith. I think you know I had one season in particular where I, I played probably ninety percent at left back, um, and, and and really enjoyed that that period in in my career. I never ever saw myself as a left back. Um, Probably because I wasn't great at defending, <laughs> um, so you know I might have been better in the modern day where it's more focused on mm-hmm. going forward. But you still had defensive duties, and I always felt like I would get exposed from time to time because of uh, my defensive uh, uh, capabilities. But no, I really, really enjoyed that 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 season. Then I got a, the following season, I got a couple of niggling injuries, and um, Mark McCulloch filled in at, the, at left back, albeit he was right footed, but you know. Mark McCulloch is, is Mr. Consistency and mm-hmm. I went through a spell when I came back and I just couldn't force my way in he was playing really well to be yeah. fair to him um, and I couldn't force my way back in and then the you know, contract was, was due to, to run out and I had a really kind of good honest conversation with, with, with Alex Smith and I'd actually had a good relationship with him and a lot of respect for him yeah. and he said look you know I think it's probably you've been here seven years now it's probably time that you, you get a, a a new challenge and I was in the same place where it had been a really frustrating season um, and I and I couldn't afford to have another season like that I thought you know I need to go and, and try and pursue full time football first and foremost um, so yeah ended up ended up leaving and, and going on that journey and, and trying to find first uh, regular full time football which took me to Iceland for three months and then back to the UK and, and, and trying to Go on trials with teams. Um, I ended up going down to Notts County. I was with Robbo at Livy for a while, 
but just couldn't really you know cement anything yep. um, so when you're you know when you're up I was 24 at that time I think and, and you're kind of your confidence is taking a bit of a hit you've been released you go on trial after trial after trial and, and nothing's quite happening for you so you, you do take a dip in, in your confidence and your belief starts to go and I think at that age I wasn't mentally strong enough to probably push through um, I was probably quite immature in my mentality that year, at, at that stage whereas I felt you know if it was now then I would just keep pursuing it and I would yep. just not stop until I picked something up um, but you know a few knockbacks really knocked my confidence so I decided that it's probably best that I, I go part time and, and see if I can if I can find a, a route back to full time football that way um, but that just never materialised you moved to Elgin, yep. two thousand and six, um, and we mentioned them already. Uh, Brian Irvin yep. is the manager at Elgin. Um, an easy conversation to have with one of your kind of former teammates, or was that already in the pipeline before Brian went in there? No, it was. You know, like I said I was still looking at full time options at that time. I say options. I was looking to see if there was any available to me. Um, and, and and you know Brian phoned me and just said look I'd be interested in, in taking you to Elgin, um, so yeah it wasn't a it wasn't a, a difficult conversation. Um, he had come in at the back end of the, the the prior season, and and did really well. I think they, they either got to the playoffs or just missed out. I can't I can't remember. I think, I think. just missed out. Yeah, so he he done a really good job because when he first came in they were kind of languishing around mm-hmm. the bottom and, he, and 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 he made a massive impact. So to me it felt like you know it was a club that was moving forward and I wanted to, to try and help and, and, and try and be part of that so yeah it wasn't a, it wasn't a difficult di- difficult decision at all the the season um, that you first joined Elgin I think I think Brian he lasts a couple of months anyway mm-hmm. before before he, he, he moves on um, probably not nice knowing that you know it's a former teammate of yourself and the man I brought to, to the club then then moves on himself but again you know the, the way that the third division and Elgin City were going at the time. It, it was it was quite volatile mm-hmm. um, and quite difficult as well. Um, they weren't. It wasn't nice on the on the pitch as well. How was that that season for you? Was that a tough? It was. It was tough, Aldi. But I think you know. I, I listened to your your um, interview with Brian on the Elgin thing, and I listened with with great interest. And you know, Brian obviously puts it down as a, as a failure. And if you you look at it paper, then it's probably hard to argue with that. But I, I think he was unlucky in terms of. He inherited a squad and, and, and brought players to the club that on, on paper was, was a strong squad. But I just think that that squad, and, and you know I was part of that squad, probably was quite immature in its development, in its mentality, in the standards that they set. Um, all the things now that I'm you know, a lot older that I can see, yeah. but at the time you think that, you know, that the squad's good and, and you look for other reasons out with your squad or your or, or, or yourself to, to blame but I you know that squad massively underachieved and, and I you know work with David Hind on a day to day basis mm-hmm. and we talk mm-hmm. about it frequently um, you know I'm obviously very co- close with Craig Campbell who's my assistant at Broad and we talk about it and um, you know our mentality back then was was, was, was really poor to be honest um, but at the time you don't think it is yep. but you know our standards were not high enough we didn't train hard enough we didn't we didn't do enough as a, as, a, as a squad and I think the other boys that were in the, in the squad at the time would probably agree with that statement so yeah Br- I, you know, Brian was pretty unlucky um, with, with that with that squad and just where they probably were in life where there was a lot of 
ex-full-time footballers that had gone part-time and were probably struggling to adapt. And, and I see that now with, with younger yeah. players when they come out of the full-time football, that it does, it probably takes a year or two to adapt because it's a massive change in your life, first and foremost, but you know, mentally the impact that it has on you and then having to adjust to your, your body to going from training full-time and training every single day and being very, very fit to then only training part-time and then having to do a little bit extra to keep your fitness levels up while you know managing a job full-time mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff so there's loads of, of things in there that, that become challenging so yeah I, I, that, I, you know, for me I think that squad was just really immature in its development um, and, and, and unfortunately you know Brian paid the price for that which which is again the harsh reality of football and being a manager you know y- y- you're the, the buck stops with the manager and, mm-hmm. and, and it's no different for, for me at Brora now mm-hmm. I probably started well, I know for a for a fact, I started covering um, Elgin around that time. Uh, Brian left. A guy that, again, replaced Brian. Um, interviewed him on, on numerous occasions. And it's fair to say, when we talk about character, Robbie Williamson is up there. Uh, with uh, You can describe him as a character, that's for sure. Another really kind of um, infectious character. Um, and he, he did wonders at Clark, you know, before coming to... Elgin City um, Robbie coming in what's your um, initial thoughts Robbie because he's again he's a well from, from he's a maniac ah, well, oh yes I was going to say he's that, that's a nice way of describing him he's, he's no holds barred that's for sure and I remember oh, I remember as a, as a you know a young fresh faced reporter who would later go on to interview you know Terry Butcher and be you know that was probably in terms of volcanic reactions after the game, I thought you know Terry was was up there, but but Robbie let rip a few times. But I think with Robbie, from my experiences anyway, what I saw was I saw passion, I saw emotion, and he would all you know if if, if Elgin said lost the game, he was you know he'd be raging, but he could you could see there was honesty behind that as well. He wasn't just you know he wasn't just you know angry for yeah. being angry sake. There was there was there was emotion behind yeah. that. What was it like playing? Under, under, you mentioned Maniac there. What was it like playing under Robbie? Oh, it was brilliant. Like, like you say, he's so, he's so infectious as, a, as an individual. Um, even now, he's he's just as infectious and, and hasn't changed a bit. And, and I was a was a young boy coming through County when he was at, at the back end of his career. And, yep. and, and, you know, as a young Lost County fan, he was a player that I would always watch and look up to and admired massively so when he came in yeah he, he, he gave the club and, and all the players um, a bit of a, a bit of a lift just because of his, his infectious um, personality and nature and then you, you know you saw that kind of transfer onto the pitch um, and, and you know he wears his heart on his sleeve the, the passion it oozes out of him during the game and uh, you always felt that you could, you could see him on the sidelines when you were playing um, so if you weren't playing well you would know about it and you would see it but you know Alternatively, if you were playing well, you'd also see it in his body language and how you know wrapped up in the game he was, and the fans loved to see that, and and, and obviously so so did the players. Um, so no, it was it was it was it was great working under under Robbie and and, and Kenny, but again they, they they fell foul to to the, the squad, and, and and I go back to that just that immaturity that sat in that squad that with a bunch of boys that were kind of twenty four twenty five and probably not um, at the level that they needed to be performing at. So when they first came in, we got the natural lift from someone new coming in, some fresh ideas, so we got you know good results. 
but then ultimately it, it defaulted back to, to where kind of Brian ended up so um, they just got you know too frustrated I think and, 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 and end up just walking away because it, it you know football takes over your life as a player but I'm now experiencing as a manager it totally consumes you it consumes your your day-to-day thinking your thoughts and and when you're someone like Robbie that wears his heart on his sleeve if you lose then that would have just ruined his weekend probably going into the following week uh, when you've got family you've got work and all that. it just yeah. it does consume you so they probably got to a stage where he just felt it was it was too much and enough was enough um, but you know the period with them in charge was was it was eventful to, to say the least um, but it was it was a, it was a it was a crazy journey um, and, and a really enjoyable one. Um, but uh, two really good guys um, in, in Robbie and, and, and Kenny. It's just unfortunate that, that the team didn't succeed as well as yeah. it, it probably should have. Two great two great football guys. You know, really as I said, Robbie earlier on. You know, passionate. Um, in terms of, I remember a few times the the dressing rooms at Elgin, the kind of back onto the. The main the main street, and if you happen to pass the the main street, you can you can get a fair idea of what's going on in the dressing room. And I, I think there was maybe in a few a few times that you could probably hear what uh, what was going on in there. Um, he had the, he had a tendency to, you know, I, I, well, I've stood on the the corridor on the other side and could hear word for word what was going on. But um, again, you know, there's, you've probably been in there and. And and, and and sense the eruptions for yourself, but that's just the guy he was. You know, he's a he's a passionate guy. He know? was, and, and and like you said, if 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 you'd underperformed, you you knew about it. But you always felt that um, as a management team, you'd have a, a good cop and a and a bad cop. But with him and Kenny, it was bad cop, bad cop. It was uh, you'd get a roll scene from Robbie, and then you think that was done, and you would take it on the chin, and then and then Kenny would erupt as well. Um, but that's just what you got from them. They, there was there was no holds barred. Um, if you did well, they would they would praise you at the hill. If if, if you underperformed, you you would you would uh, you would know about it. But um, he would never hold grudges, Robbie. You know, if you were poor on on the Saturday or a really bad result, you know you you would you would know about it after the game and then come to training on, on Tuesday and he'd be bubbly again and he'd be ready to go for the next Saturday and and, and that probably was the important. best way to be. You yeah, know, for and, sure. And be honest about yeah. it. I think you mentioned there the frustra- frustration. It's probably the key word. I remember his last game in charge of Elgin. So you guys had, had beaten Spartans in the Scottish Cup. And then I, I know this, I know this so vividly because the guy that was, was that was ineligible to play for Spartans was in my year at school. So then he he caused the game to be replayed yeah. uh, at Barra Briggs. It was a Monday night. And I want to say, I think, was it Joe Malin was ineligible? No, was it Joe Malin was ineligible too? There was Joe, Joe Malin was ineligible in the first game. So they, they, they won the first game 2-0. And, I, and I'm the same, sure. I remember it so vividly because it was the day, um, the Saturday was the day my first son was born. Right, okay. Um, and I was desperate to make the game. Um, so Sarah, my partner, went into labour on the Friday night. Um, and I remember it so vividly because Robbie was phoning me in the morning and uh, Robbie being Robbie was asking me how far dilated she was <laughs> just, to, just to assess uh, if I'd make the game or not um, so uh, we were talking in uh, in centimetres for a while but uh, unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately, um, I didn't make the game um, but you know to be fair Dylan was, was born about I think roughly about quarter to eleven in the morning and, and Sarah to be fair said look 
you know, go and go and play the game. A second half is up at least, you know. Uh, you and I know exactly. I should have made it, but I was I was uh, too emotionally exhausted after the experience. Um, but the boys went and won the game two 0 mm-hmm. and like you say, the the ineligible players then forced a replay. Mm-hmm. So um, I was able to play in in the replay, and we went one 0 up, um, and we lost two really poor goals. Um, so in, in hindsight, maybe I shouldn't have played shouldn't have played the replay. Maybe they would, they would have won. Um, but we lost that game, and and I, Kenny and Robbie were really hurt, yeah. and, and the players felt it because we were we were quite close to them, um, you know, just the, being the people that that we were, yeah. and they they were sorry, and we would kind of socialise with them as well. Whether that's the right thing to do or not, probably debatable. But, um, so yeah, you could see that they were hurting after, especially winning the the first game and then having to replay it and then losing it because that's that's the. The, the, well, the fourth round now, if you like, that that's when you can get the big sure. boys. Yeah, so that was really disappointing. I think that was the, that was the point where they just that was it. Like you said, that was their that was their last game. So it was a really yeah. sour note to, to end on. Yeah. And really disappointing. Because I, I remember it again so well, standing in the corridor at you know the wee tunnel at Borough Briggs, and um, we were well, the Marcel and Craig Christie from Northern Scott. We were there for for ages, waiting for you know, to speak to Robbie. But I think Robbie. Had had gone, yeah. you know, he'd had enough, and again, you, know, you couldn't blame him, you know, frustration had taken over. So, Robbie goes, and, and kind of shortly afterwards, you move on, yeah. uh, you, you leave Elgin behind, you head off to, to Nairn again, just a, you know, a bit of something fresh, something different. Yeah, well, you know, Ross Jack came in, um, and Ross was someone that, that coached me as, as a kid, and someone that I had, you know, huge amount of respect for, but. Um, I was probably not in in the right place, you know. Again, I think I probably shortchanged Elgin a little bit in terms of my my performance and the attitude and the player that they got, and and, and I can see that very very clearly now. So, so Ross is coming into a squad, and he can probably quickly see that there's a decent level of talent there, but the mentality, the culture is probably not right. Um, and and he's you know we we had some pretty good good conversations where essentially he was probably saying, look, I need more from you. Um, me being in the mentality that I was probably felt that I was doing enough and in, in hindsight that I absolutely wasn't so that, that probably clashed where he's got a player that he's telling he needs more from and I'm probably too arrogant at that point and thinking I don't need to do to do more I'm, I'm doing enough mm-hmm. um, so yeah it came, a, it came a little bit of a head where he probably felt it's maybe best that you move on and, and I thought yeah maybe I need a new challenge Um so yeah, decided to go go to Nern. Um David Hind had already moved a few months prior to that, and 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 and, and spoke very positively about playing in the, in the Highland League and playing for Nern. How well run it was. So yeah, I, I signed a three year deal to go there and and try and help them win win the Highland League. That was kind of the aim, and 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 we didn't achieve it, but um, we had some. You know, I had three pretty good seasons there, and I think Nairn County fans will agree that the, the, the style of football that we played and um, what we did try and achieve, I think you know they would be fairly satisfied. And it was it was a really enjoyable three years, and I kind of got my love back for the game, if you like, yeah. in that period. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed my time there. And you you won silverware too, the Highland League Cup, which. Yeah. Um, a guy that was sitting there last week, Adam Porritt, who now plays for Nairn County. They, they obviously Nairn County are very different uh, nowadays but under Les Fridge they were always they were always thereabouts yeah. uh, in cup competitions they always had a real knack and I think 
<clears throat> the league just you know was not far away from their grasp. But in terms of cup competitions, they were always they were always competing. You know, Les uh, wanted his side to go and, as you say, go and play attacking football, yeah. go and try and win games and win trophies ultimately, yeah. which he did. He did in the, the league cup. Yeah, no, it was it was great to win the, the league cup. I think we got a little bit of luck, and you always need it in cup competition mm-hmm. in terms of the draws we got to get to the final. Um, I think we end up playing Rothis in the in the semi final. Um, but you know, to, to play Fraserburgh. Um, and, and, and beat them so convincingly was great and that's what that team was capable of on their day um, I think like you said we were we were never really threatening the league we were always there or thereabouts kind of 5th, 4th position uh, I just think that squad lacked a little bit of consistency um, and, and probably if, you, if you're if you brutally honest a little bit of a little bit more dig a little bit more about them um, to go away to a Cove or go away to a Fraser brand and, and grind out a, a draw or grind out a win you always felt at home Nairn could probably win most of their games, but it was the way games were yep. where we were um, a little bit, um, a little bit immature in our development as a squad. So um, that's probably the reason why they didn't didn't push for titles. Maybe a couple of players short um, of real high quality, but uh, no, great to win the Highland League Cup with them, and it was a it was a good moment for for um, for Les and 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 for. Um, Pete and Mike that were involved at the time because it was a really well run club you know they took pride in how they how they ran it very very professional outfit obviously a, a beautiful playing surface oh. um, which which was nice um, ground as well always station parks always I just think it has this it's perfect for football yeah it's just got a great feel about it yeah. you know the, the, the club itself and the location of the park but yeah, the pitch was amazing and it was conducive to the type of football that we played. Um, and maybe, maybe that's why we struggled in away games, going to bobbly pitches el- el- elsewhere. Uh, maybe that's what the reason was. But um, no, thoroughly enjoyed my, my time at Nairn. Um, really enjoyed it, actually. Like I said, it kind of reignited a little bit of a fire inside my, my belly for, for football. I always loved the game, but you know, it probably dwindled a little bit in the Elgin the Elgin era and, and that was reflective in my performances. But then I think I got it back in Nairn and, and I, I'd like to think my levels of performance improved yeah. as as did my consistency which was good stepping down from the the third division to the Highland League as a lot of players were, were doing at that time you know the member um, I think Ross Jack had a, you know, a bit of a um, an issue at the time attracting players um, and in fact Barry Wilson who took over from him um, found the same problem you know was actually trying to get the best of the Highland League players to, to go to um, Elgin was was proving a, a problem for them, but no qualms about going back to the high league and you know as I say stepping down, but not really if you know because there's still a good a good quality yeah. player there. I think there always is that element of you know you're dropping out of the Scottish league and there's you know you always want to play at the the highest level. I think it's a difficult one when 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 the margins in terms of the the level between the, the top half of the Highland League and, and the Scottish league it's 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 negligible. Yeah. Um, so I guess the decision then comes down to where you are in, in life in terms of you know your your work, your family, all that kind of balance, um, and and whether you've got the appetite to go up and down the A nine. And a lot of players don't have it. They just want to play locally. They want to get home at a decent time, yeah. spend time with their families or whatever. Um, so that that's that's always going to be the challenge for 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 Elgin um, versus the Highland League teams and. Um, I can't see that ever being any different. So it's all about where where the player wants it to, to be, um, and whether he wants to play it at that level, which comes with a little bit more sacrifice. 
Because Berwick Rangers are strung our midweek away. That's a killer, isn't it? One, isn't it? It's not one that fills you with a lot, lot, lot of joy, that's for sure. No, I mean, the reality, I mean, the, well, the reality of this area, you know, you could be, you could have wick away on a Wednesday night, yeah. but the reality of, you know, you're talking once a season in midweek, it's a, it's a rarity, isn't it? But Berwick and Stranraer, they must have been two of the, the least uh, glamorous of away trips. Well, Stranraer used to always. Probably better quickly flying. Ah, well, it used to always ha- kind of hold fear in my my brain until we went down there in the Scottish Cup with with Brora, um, and we managed to get a win down there because I think my record in down at Stranraer at that time was 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 woeful. I think it was um, pretty much defeats, maybe maybe one draw. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's a difficult one. It's it all comes down to where the player wants to be and what level he wants to compete on. If you, you know you want to be playing. With Elgin and playing at that, that level, then there is an element of of, of, of sacrifice involved and, and an element of, of dedication. Not to say Highland League players aren't dedicated, of course they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, you have got the, the possibility of these long trips away um, during during the week and then and then getting up for work in, in the morning. So it's all about where the player wants to be, essentially. Highland League is where you're at at the moment, um, and you have been for well since you you joined Nairn. You leave Nairn, you go to Brora Rangers, the the side you're currently managing at the moment. What a time to to join Brora. Um, obviously, a lot of um, the change in in Brora over the last what ten ten years has been dramatic. It's incredible. Um, I, I mean, I remember again, you know, when I, I was covering High on League for for MFR, you know, going to Brora games, and you know, I mean. I mean, Mike, Mike, Michael Fraser joked about it. He was on all at Brora um, years ago, but yeah. it was a very different Brora to, to what it is now. But it's testament to the hard work from from the players and also behind scenes as well to, to transform the club. You, you join them um, and very quickly get success. Uh, 2013-14, the, the the title. Is, uh, is is grasped and, and style as well I mean Brona were magnificent that season what was it like I mean that season that first season you go into win the league again the following season but but that first season what's it, what's it like winning the league with a squad full of I mean household players and, and not just in Highland Circle well not just in sorry uh, Highland Circles but you know guys that have played in the, the Scottish Leagues as well you know yeah, well, the, our, the first season actually wasn't uh, that successful. It was far from it, and I think you know a lot of people sometimes forget it, or maybe they've just decided they don't want to talk about it. Because, 12, 12, 13, yeah, because that was my first season. Um, because I obviously was at Nairn at the time, and and we'd finished. I think we'd finished fourth, um, and there was real belief that Nairn could then kick on and and, and go and compete. Um, I I worked for a a company called CRC Evans Offshore at the time, um, whose managing director was was Ben Mackay, and mm-hmm. uh, you know a successful businessman from Brora that wanted to see Brora do well, and 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 Brora just finished that the same season second bottom, and I remember it vividly because I remember looking at the table and they conceded about 120 goals, um, and and I was potentially you know thinking about going and, and joining Brora, but but you know Ben and I work closely together and we, we you know he had a vision and 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 I wanted to be part of that and it sounded like a really kind of interesting project to be part of and, and get in right at the start and um, so myself and, and David Hind uh, left Nairn 
to go on this uh, this, this journey and everyone thought we were absolutely bonkers um, because we'd just I think nearly finished third actually in that season we'd finished right. third in the Highland League and we were going to a team that was second bottom and shipped 120 goals um, and then Dale Gillespie followed suit um, and we, we you know got Richie Hart and you know all of a sudden within a few weeks people were saying Albora oh, are, are you know potentially going to be challenging for the league and I think everyone got a bit carried away with the whole euphoria I think you know signing Richie Hart was massive you know cult hero in Brora um, in Inverness as well in terms of the career that he had there and we were just delighted to have someone like that uh, within our squad and, and then we started to believe you know maybe we can go and win this league and Forrest had just won the Highland League the season before mm-hmm. and our first game was against them um, and you know they unfurled the, the flag and we went and beat them 2-1 and then you know press were Brora going to win the league and what a squad they've got and all this sort of stuff and it went absolutely pear-shaped from there we ended up finishing 8th um, in, in the league which is an improvement from second and bottom but Not quite far tight. from where we wanted to be so that was quite a painful season because you know we were going back to teams like Nairn who we just left and I remember they battered us at Station Park 6-0 and I was kind of thinking jeez what have I done this is, um, this is mm-hmm. maybe a mistake and mm-hmm. uh, there were a couple of really horrendous defeats from Wick as well and you know, people are writing you off and saying, "Ah, oh, you shouldn't have, shouldn't have gone." All this kind of stuff, and and like you touched on there, that the following season was just was unbelievable. Um, you know, we we brought in Joe Marlin, uh, Grant Monroe's, uh, Ross Tokley's, Sander Sutherland, um, and yeah, it was just a joy to play in that team. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal team. I think we, I think we lost one game that season, um, and then the following season we were able to eclipse that and, and go undefeated so um, an amazing period for, for, for the club that had been in the doldrums for for all its days almost albeit I think the late 80s early 90s was a was a quite a good period for them but yeah they were the fans were now experiencing success that was um, never thought possible so that was great to be part of that um, and great to be part of such a strong team It's probably what you were talking about in terms of Elgin you know when you, you were at Elgin the the makeup of the squad probably wasn't right. Yeah. Whereas at Brora, you know, you've got two guys you mentioned there and Graham and Ron Ross Tuckle who've won trophies at Cali Thistle and played at the very top level uh, in Scottish football. A couple of other, you know, like yourself, um and then some some younger guys coming in as well. Uh, Joe Marlin, you know, was released by Ross County and and a, a, an exceptionally good goalkeeper. Xander Sutherland, the guy who you know is, was a a, a cult hero uh, for Brora, fantastic player. But that squad just gelled and gelled instantly. Yeah, um, good dressing room to be involved in. Good, good bunch of boys. Uh, unbelievable dressing room. And like you say, it's now that I'm in on the opposite end in terms of the management side of things. You understand the the importance of the blend of your squad, the culture of your squad, and the mentality of your squad. So. Like you, t- like you said there, Elgin was wrong, the balance was wrong, um, all the influential players in that dressing room had poor standards, um, if, if truth be told, but then on, the, on, on this Brora squad you had guys like Granty and Tokes, who seasoned pros, great careers, um, that set the tone, uh, I'd like to think that you know I was kind of along, along those kind of lines in terms of, I like to try and set standards as well and, and, and work hard and then you've got someone like 
Joe Marlin, who again has very so then that's infectious to the whole squad and it rubbed off on, on everyone and anyone that played in that team or even trained in that team knew that they couldn't drop their standards because no one would accept it and that's that was a really powerful tool to have um, and it was no surprise that that squad was was so successful because it was a it was a powerful blend. You scored some some amount of goals uh, yourself, Xander. I mean, you were you're flying that season. I mean, it was a again I watched from a afar the 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 the, the guy and um, well, a very talented guy Ross McLean and Nairn had the uh, Scottish Highland League yeah. television, which was brilliant and and kind of unheard of in, in Highland League circles anyway. Um, where he filmed a game every week and I'm not suggesting that it was a lot of Broader Rangers games but towards the end of the, the season that was obviously yeah. where you know the cameras should be at uh, to capture any any moments and I remember was it Keith away I think Broder went 5-5-0 five, five nil. 3-0 yeah, nil. 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 I remember you, you kind of played them off the park he should have scored a, a should fair amount should have been 5 but again you know this, the scenes and again uh, I think they're all still on YouTube um, that Ross captured that day and it was it was magnificent stuff. He then obviously got down from the the, the, the gantry and and was on the pitch again. You know the the access and, and yeah. things like that unheard of in, in higher league circles anyway. Captured Ben and amongst the the supporters as well. Um, that day, live long the memory. You know, I know you present you were presented with the the title uh, a week after, a couple of weeks after, yeah. but to clinch it at Keith and Style. In front of the cameras, you know, you'll always have that that moment to treasure. Yeah, it, it was a, it was a brilliant day uh, for, for for everyone, and like you said, it was it was brilliantly captured by Ross, and I think it might have been you that was commentating uh, on it in all my, day. In my bedroom, Red, retrospective bedroom commentary, match. but uh, I, what Ross and you guys did over that couple of seasons was was phenomenal. Uh, it was un, unheard of in, yeah. in Highland League, and you know, I know there's there's guys trying to you know film games at the moment, but I think the the, the full package that, that Ross and you guys brought was, was phenomenal. Yeah. And and we as players used to love when they came out and we could watch our standard of football, you know, very very professionally done. So it's a shame that that can't be uh, reinvigorated. Maybe it can be. Who knows? But it was a it was a wonderful service. And like you say, that moments are now captured. And uh, you know, my, my my son Dylan, who's a keen footballer, he. Frequently, uh, googles the the, the Brora um, games and, and watches them. He was he was only a little boy at the time when 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 he was at that game, but he likes to watch them back. But uh, I really really um, a treasure day, you know, to go and win our first title and like you said, do it do it in style. Um, away to Keith and that kind of cow shed area of the pitch was just. Yeah full of Brora fans um, so a, a day that, that everyone um, will remember uh, and, and we'll, we'll never forget it was a, it was a phenomenal day a big um, I know a big Brora Rangers fan big Callum Duff uh, shout out to Callum he uh, he travels home and away when he can with uh, with Brora and again followed the fortunes of, of him that day he you know moments with a as a supporter a moment he'll probably and, and the rest of the Brora fans will never forget but a good journey back from from Keith that day yeah, on the a, bus it was a great journey I think actually Callum uh, I remember it but you know, when we went in and celebrated everyone and he was in floods of tears and he told me that he uh, he doesn't usually cry but I think there's probably been about nine or ten instances <laughs> where he's been where he's been crying I think East Fife might have been the last one um, but uh, aye, it was a great day great day for those supporters you know they've 
went and watched their club. Probably not in in, in those numbers, if the truth be told. But they they've obviously been supporters of Brora and had nothing to to shout about or celebrate. So massive day for them, massive day for the players, um, and yeah, unforgettable uh, bus journey home um, or or forgettable for for most that uh, overindulged in, in in the alcohol, but. Uh, it was well well earned and well deserved. So I'm, I'm assuming, uh, well, Keith to Inverness, I'm assuming you stopped in Inverness. Keith to Inverness is what, about an hour, an hour and 15 minutes? Is we there any? Was going to stop? I was stopping for Fogbers. That's our, that's our usual haunt. Um, so, like you say, we've got a fanatical bunch of, of away fans that, that, that go to all of our games. There's always a bus that goes. You know, we've shouted the Callum, there's there's Rossi Mackay, Baden, Big Carl, Jimmy, there's loads of them. I, I could go on and mention them all, but they've been supporting us, you know, ever since this kind of journey began and, and that's where we would they would normally stop, uh, in, in the Grant Arms and in, in, in Fokker. So we um we stopped off in there, um and the the scenes were un- unbelievable. You couldn't get moving, the place was absolutely round with with Brora fans. Um so I it was a nice nice moment and a nice memory for us all. Any more stops or was it just a no, mea- I think, meander back? I think we were in Fockerburst for about an hour and a half, two hours to be honest with you. Uh, by the time we got back to Inverness it was uh, it was late and then all the guys just spilled out in, in, into the town. So uh, I think we ended up going and watching Dart, strangely enough, I think I'm sure Dale Gillespie uh, arranged that and he got pelters because it was an absolutely shocking night. <laughs> Darts in the ironworks, uh, I think we lasted about half an hour and then we all we all went dispersed into in town but yeah great night great night you follow up with uh, another uh, league title the following season as well and I mean for that you know again I spoke about Nairn County being good in cup competitions it just seemed like Broder were just winning trophy after trophy he just seemed to just be on this, this run this role we just got into that place Aldi where you know <clears throat> we were never we never felt like we were arrogant you know turning up to games but we just had so much confidence and belief we had a, a defence, you know, Colin Williamson, Granty, um, Tokes, Scott Houston, Joe, and we would just go into games knowing that we probably weren't going to lose a goal, and if we did, it would be one, and then, you know, the firepower we had going forward, um, we just had so much belief that we'd create chances, and we did, we created so many chances um, in every game. A, a really good striker probably would have scored 70 or 80 goals, Um for, for, for Brora um, but I just felt like we were going to games and you would, you would get four or five chances every game so we were you know Andrew Gregg on one side Xander on the other they just terrorised defences um, so it was a joy for me to just stand in that six yard box and tap them in at the back post <laughs> <laughs> Moving on a little bit um, you take over as manager uh, to bring it back up to the, the current day Davy Kirkwood Brought you to the, or sorry, was there when you when you're at the club? Stuart Kettlewell also uh, was involved as well. What's the uh, what's the thoughts about hanging up the boots and and putting the manager's jacket on? It's uh, it's still a a work in progress at the moment. If I'm being honest, um, I'm 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 slowly transitioning out. Um, I in my first season when I when I took charge last season. I think I played over thirty games, and I I, I, pro- I wasn't intending on playing as many games, um, but just the way the squad was quite tight, um, and and I felt like that I 
you know, I wasn't ready to, to hang them up and I felt like I had something to offer. Um, if, if I'm being honest, I think I probably still have something that, that to offer, albeit the standard that, that we're now playing at. Um, I certainly don't think that I could I could start um, every every game. Um, definitely a bit part player um, this season and possibly possibly next season. My intention is to to do pre-season um, next season and, and, and see how it, how it goes and, and certainly be available if required but yeah quite quite a tough process if I'm being honest I just you know played played the game for so many years um, you know in, in adult terms I've been playing since I was since I was 16 17 and regularly every, every season I've been really fortunate I've not had any injuries so yeah. you know every season I've been fortunate to play so um, naturally not not a, an easy thing for me to just cut it off and and hang them up, but something I'm becoming more comfortable with as you know the managerial side of things takes over. And you've got your two uh, your two muckers alongside you, Craig Campbell and David Hines as well. Um, it looks like you've got a very you know settled backroom staff as well, um, and they'll keep you. That you do, Robbie and Kenny. Is it bad cop, bad cop, bad cop? Or is there a, <laughs> who's the good cop in there? I think uh, I think Cammy does enough bad cops for us for us all. So. Uh, I think uh, I try and do the the good cop as much as I can, um, but Heinz he's got it in him as well. To be fair, it doesn't often go, but when he goes, uh, the boys know about it. It's only happened on a couple of occasions, but uh, quite a a mild mannered man um, at the best of times. But uh, when he goes, he uh, he goes, which is good. And like you said, really settled backroom staff, two guys that. I've known for for over twenty years, and two guys that I trust Im- implicitly with with anything. So, yeah, I think that's important. That was always the the view that when I took over the job, that I would get guys by my side that I trusted. I had Dave Calder, initially, um, who again childhood friend and someone that I I trust. Um, so I always think that if you have that as your as your kind of starting point, then. The players will, will will buy into it a bit more. Um, there's a bit of more kind of credibility there when they see a strong management team, and then the message that we we're delivering is consistent, um, and they know that that we all have each other's backs, and and there would never be a, a, a split dressing room in terms of the management team, yeah. and hopefully that that reflects with the players because we've got, you know, we talked about the dressing room back in the the, the double kind of the, the two successive championship seasons. I think this squad is, is, is equal to that in terms of the team spirit, the togetherness um, and, and hopefully that's been reflected in the performances as well Well best luck for the rest of the season once uh, once it gets started again, who knows when, knows when it'll get started, hopefully by the time this comes out the football will be back uh, underway it just seems like one thing after another, of course the Highland League we get so many call-offs with the weather but now uh, coronavirus is struck and of course, it's it's the sensible thing to, to call the games off. But when the league uh, does restart, and and uh, we'll know further in due course. But best of luck with the season ahead, and uh, fingers crossed that the the league title can can head back up to Dudgeon Park, and and again, fingers crossed for a for a playoff spot as well. But uh, thanks for your time. No problem. Thanks for having me all. Yeah, pre- appreciate that.